Welcome in episode 25 of the Print Fast DFS podcast. My name is Justin Rue alongside Scott Bandy, and it is week one of 2021. It's been a long, long offseason, long wait, but God's game DFS is back. It is back in our lives, and uh, there is so much value on this slate, it is hard to even comprehend. Uh, so much cheap wide receiver value that's probably all going to brick for like five points a piece. Um, but they're projecting well, and that's what we're going to go with. So, God, I'm just excited. How you doing? Man, I just can't believe it's finally week one. Like, we have actual football <laughs> that matters tonight. We got Bucks, Cowboys. Fortunately, we just got the Gus Edwards news. Like, oh, that's putting a dagger in my heart as a Ravens fan. But, man, I just can't believe we finally have football back. Been craving DFS since, what, championship week is probably the last week we – we had NFL DFS. Yeah. Um, so I'm just excited to get into it. There's something I don't know what happened this year with the DraftKings uh, pricing, but wow, the receiver value. And we'll talk about all of it. But Yeah. I, I don't remember the rookies being so cheap. Like they're all min price. I mean, they're all min all price. It's crazy. Yeah, literally all of them. Like, uh, except for, you know, Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase. These guys are all in the three Ks. It's really odd. I don't, I don't remember it being like that, but I guess DraftKings is trying to get people in the door and trying to get people to feel good about lines that they're making. And yeah. yeah, there's a lot of value, so uh, this week is definitely going to be stars and scrubs. Um, yeah, I think that's the one thing is that I think we're going to see a lot of people with the same kind of lineup construction. Uh, I think chalk might be a little bit spread out because there's so much value you can't play everybody. Um, but lineup construction is really straightforward this week, and I think we're going to see a lot of very similar lineups. Um, so it's just really about getting the value guys right and getting whatever top guys you lock in your lineup, you just have to get it right. Yeah, I think roster construction is pretty straightforward. As we know, we all want to be on quarterbacks that can run, and typically it's going to be higher-priced quarterbacks. You know, it used to be playing these guys like Sam Darnold and Mac Jones that are cheap, but they're not going to run. I mean, it's fine. Like, they're going to give you – 15, maybe 20 points, but they just can't match these guys like Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, that can run for 40 or 50 yards, get a touchdown, maybe two, and end up putting a 40-burger on you, and you're sitting there with, like, 15 points, and you're like, all right, well, that's cool. And he just got completely doubled up by by these guys who can run. So um, we're definitely going to be paying up a quarterback, which is just kind of the new norm of DFS these days. Um, we obviously want to be paying up at running back, trying to get uh, three bell cow running backs in there. We'll talk about all these guys, but CMC, Dalvin, and Kamara are all in smash spots. Um, Kyle Pitts is – I mean, we all, like, we all like to pay down. Kyle Pitts kind of in the mid-range at 4,400. He is probably the chalkiest tight end on the slate. Um, kind of hard to get away from him, but we'll dig into a couple guys that are near the min price that we – would like to put it off with. And then wide receiver, there's guys at the top with Stefan Diggs and Devontae Adams and, and Ridley that are all solid. But there's also guys down low, like we mentioned before, with all these rookies. So we're going to jump into that, and we'll start with quarterback. Um, I'll start with my favorite quarterback play on the slate. I, I think for me there's there's two guys, and it's Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts um, for me. I know that you like Josh Allen. Um, I'm kind of – I'm a little scared off of the matchup with Pittsburgh, but I know Josh Allen can smash in any matchup. But 
I'll start with Jalen Hurts. So Jalen Hurts, he he started four games there at the end of um, 2020 um, after Carson Wentz went down. And Jalen Hurts, he he averaged 68 rushing yards per game in those four games. I mean, that is just ridiculous. Like, if this guy's been running for 60 yards, uh, I mean, that's just such a nice floor. He's 6,400, and he's in a dome against um, Atlanta. Uh, you know, and Jalen Hurts, as a passer, he definitely has much to be improved upon. He, I think he had, like, a 51% uh, completion rate in his games he played last year. So, obviously, that's, that's absolutely awful, and he has to improve. But I do expect him to improve a little bit, um, you know, from his rookie year. Like I said, he only started four games. And now he gets Devontae Smith uh, to come in and help him out, the former Heisman winner. And, you know, in his games, he did play last year. Um, I saw a stat from Rich Rebar. So uh, he actually led all rookie passers in yards per attempt from a clean pocket with 7.7. Now, 7.7 yards per attempt from a clean pocket is objectively not a great number. That's fine. Um, you, you know, you expect a guy to be a little more efficient from a clean pocket. But he did at least lead all rookie passers, um, you know, in that metric. So, you know, in a game with a 48 over-under and a dome against a shitty defense in the Falcons uh, at 6,400, I think he's the cheapest quarterback that gives you access to that 40-point ceiling. Yeah, I, that, that, that's the, the key piece right there is that he's the cheapest guy who has access to that ceiling. And, I mean, it, they're in the dome in Atlanta. Atlanta has such a porous defense. They, I mean, we just targeted them all year last year. Um, you know, I, I fully expect Atlanta to take advantage of the porous defense of Philly. Um, I expect Ridley and Pitts and, you know, maybe a little Mike Davis. I expect Atlanta will show up. Um, and Jalen Hurts, like, it doesn't even matter, like, what he really does as a passer. Like, if he gets – 50 rushing yards that is such a high floor like he has more outs than, than these guys like Matt Ryan and you know Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford like that's the problem is Hurts can he could get you 35 points and if he's chalky and he gets you 35 like it's going to be hard to really you know make those points up elsewhere right. um so and, and I mean I'm on record that I've been in love with Devontae Smith as a prospect since his junior year at Bama. So <laughs> I think he's going to make a world of difference for Jalen Hurts. And I'm not even really – I don't even think Jalen Hurts is a very quarterback for NFL standards. So um, – but in this spot, like, it's it's hard to argue anything you're saying. He's, he's just set up for a real ceiling game here. Um, yeah, so I'll go all the way up to Kyler Murray at 7,600. Um, another one of these guys, like, we played Kyler Murray all year last year. Uh, this game has a 52 and a half combined live total. It's the second highest on the main slate, so we love that. Uh, and like we were saying earlier, it's not difficult to get up to guys like Kyler and Josh Allen because of how much value we have at the receiver spot. Um, I love the shootout potential of this game. I really do. Uh, two really, really good offenses, hopefully. Uh, the Titans are going to show up. You know, the Cardinals secondary is really nothing to be, nothing to be um, scared of. And likewise, Kyler Murray, like, Last year, he scored 24-plus DK points in all of the first 10 weeks of the season. And in seven of those games, he scored 27 or more. Now, I mean, right around week 11 is when he got a little banged up and we saw his production decrease a little bit. But, I mean, 24 points was his floor for the first 10 weeks of the season. I think he was literally having the best uh, 
fantasy scoring season for a quarterback of all time. And in a spot like this, you know, it's the second highest total on the slate. It's shootout potential. The Titans are going to score. I mean, Henry, AJB, and Julio, with the efficiency that Tannehill brings, that's going to all be an offense that's going to be a struggle for any defense to put up with, let alone a really, really mediocre Arizona secondary. So, um, you know, Kyler's rushing prop is around 42 right now, I think. If he gets anything close to that and runs a touchdown in, and we know he likes to call his own number, everything else is just, you know, the cherry on top. Like, nothing else is going to matter at that point. If you get two rushing touchdowns and he approaches a 35-40 number like he did several times last year, it, you're just going to be hard-pressed to make up those points elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the rushing that he gives you is just ridiculous. And this game, I expect to be the highest-scoring game on this slate. I know the um, – you know, the Browns and the Chiefs are also on this slate, but um, I expect this game to be back and forth, shoot out, and every player is in play on both of these teams. Uh, you know, just everybody. Just You can play literally anybody. I, I mean, outside of maybe Josh Reynolds, you, you can basically play everybody. Um, well, Ferk Daddy at 3,200. Yeah. <laughs> you can always punt it off. I mean, hey, Ferkser, he's been good uh, in spots. Um, and then the other guy here that we kind of want to mention here was Josh Allen. And Josh Allen just has this monster ceiling. We know the, the Bills just do not run the ball. They just won't run the ball at all anymore. They're just like they drop back and pass literally every play. Um, it's really unbelievable. There were some, some games last year where – towards the back end of the season where they just, they had like two uh, carries in the entire first half. I'm like, Oh my God, this team is just not running the ball at all. <laughs> and I doubt, I bet all the unders on Devin Singletary's props. I think his, <laughs> I think Devin Singletary's uh, total yards prop was 50 and a half. I'm like under, under, under. Thank you. I, I bet the same thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was just, that was just a bad number. Um, but, yeah, but Josh Allen, I mean, he, you know he's going to give you, you know, 30, 40 yards on the ground. He's probably going to run in a touchdown with how big he is. Um, and with them passing so much, I think that the defense really doesn't even matter with Josh Allen. It, it, I think I just prefer um, going down a little bit for Jalen Hurts, opens up a little more salary, or going up just 200 extra more for Kyler Murray. Yeah, and the thing with Josh Allen is in the preseason – what we saw from Dable on the offense is that they're still fully committed to the passing game. They don't want to run the ball. And it's smart because they can't run the ball. Singletary and Maltz are just guys. Like, they're just jabronis. Uh, like, so, I mean, yeah, you can't win with them, can't play with them, can't do it. <laughs> but, um, no, Josh Allen's completely fine. And I, I don't think the Steelers' defense is going to be what we saw last year. I think they're pretty much bound for, regress for regression across the board. And, like, Defense doesn't matter when you're playing against a guy like Josh Allen. He's, like you say, he has more outs because he's going to call his number around the goal line. He's going to get you a solid rushing floor. And he has the ability to just chuck five touchdowns too. So yeah. uh, we'll probably talk about Josh Allen pretty much every week on the show, probably going to go. Yep. Yeah, so Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, and Josh Allen. Uh, I think if you want to punt it off, you can punt with Mac Jones or Sam Darnold, but um, – I definitely don't recommend on this slate. We just have too much other good value. You just don't need to, yeah. to punt off a quarterback. So uh, at running back, we mentioned at the top, the top running backs on the slate, Chris McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, and Alvin Kamara. All three of these guys are in smash spots. 
Chris McCaffrey up at 9,500. I think realistically he should be, you know, if we're talking about a realistic price for Chris McCaffrey, he should probably be 10.5, maybe 11K. Then you really start to think about it. Um, but if he's under 10K, I, I think you just play him. Um, it's kind of hard to get away from him. You know, it, last year, even, you know, he only really played three games, but in those three games, he had 28, 25, and 37 points. Uh, so he is still Chris McCaffrey. I mean, he doesn't, he, you know, he's going to be on the field for 90 plus percent of the snaps. He's a three down plus goal line back. He knows he's going to get probably six or seven targets. Um, you know, and the Jets are an absolute punching bag. They're, they're a little bit better against the run, but you know, they still allow 5.7 receptions per game to opposing backfields, which is 30th in the league last year. So, um, you know, 9,500 Christian McCaffrey is a total smash. And then also Dalvin Cook, um, you know, on the Vikings taking on the Bengals, who are an absolute sieve, and they allowed 5.4 <laughs> yards per attempt to opposing running backs last year, and they've been a sieve for years. I mean, they cannot stop the run. They never really try. Um, and they allowed a league-high 4.6 yards or carries per game to gain 10-plus yards. And we know Dalvin can rip off these long, long gains. Um, I, I just – and not Dalvin at 9,100 is also a smash. And we know that Minnesota wants to run the ball. And in the second half of games, when they're leading, they just keep on running it. Like they don't just keep throwing it. A lot of times they'll just limit uh, Kirk Cousins past them. So they'll just keep hammering away with Dalvin. And you could look up at the end of the game and Dalvin has like 30 carries. And if, it, if Dalvin's getting 30 carries against this, it's this defense, uh, it is lights out. So, um, yeah, Chris McCaffrey, Dalvin, and then I'll let you touch on Alvin Kamara. Yeah, so before I get into Kamara, that, that's the key thing right there. The second half games, they are so run heavy. And I think that's very relevant here because I think this line of Minnesota by three, I think it's bad. I really do. I think Minnesota is just going to come out and stomp Cincinnati. Uh, Minnesota should theoretically have a better defense than last year, but I really don't even think it matters. Like Cincinnati, they have Burrow coming off an ACL. We've heard all preseason, all through training camp, how he just doesn't look fully confident. We know their line is just a laughing stock. Their defense is, like you said, a sieve. I think this line should be Minnesota by seven. I already bet Minnesota by three. And I think Dalvin is just in, in a nuclear spot. And the problem is, I, I mean, I think you have to at least play one of these three, McCaffrey, Cook, and Camara. Absolutely. I recommend playing two. I'm going to play two. But the problem is, if you play two of them, you're not going to feel good about the one guy you fade. Right. And because they're all three in such good spots, unless you're playing all three, which is possible, depending on how you want to structure your, your rosters this week, uh, whoever you fade, you're going to be watching that box score like a hawk all day long. Um, and they're all three in good spots, and I think ownership's really going to be split around. I, I mean, I still expect McCaffrey to probably be the highest owned because he is CMC. Uh, and then I think Cook and Kamara are probably going to be pretty close. Kamara might have a little higher because he's a little bit of a discount. Um, but getting into Kamara, wow. I mean, the Saints are three-and-a-half-point dogs against Green Bay. Uh, they've got a solid total of 49, and he's just – he is the Saints offense. Like, I, I don't know if there's any other way around it. Michael Thomas is gone. He's on the pup till week seven. You got Marquez Callaway, who we like this week, and then Traquan Smith. Neither one of these guys are world beaters. We don't really – we've never really seen production from either one of them. 
Troutman's been banged up and unproven. Jawan Johnson, I mean, who cares about him? Like, <laughs> Flat Murray got cut. So we have Tony Jones Jr. seemingly the backup. Now, do I think Tony Jones is going to step into the same role as Lat Murray? Probably not. I think they're probably going to want him to prove himself. Does that potentially give a tick up to Kamara in the, in the run game? Maybe. But, it, I mean, certainly you have to think he's a lock for 20 touches between rushing and receiving. Like, how does he come out of this game without eight targets? Like, if he comes out of this game without eight targets, I think the Saints just aren't trying to win. So, and I mean, Green Bay, despite how good New Orleans defense is and, and what we expect to see is the same as last year. They're returning almost all starters on the defense. I really do believe in this Rodgers and Adams, you know, smash fest narrative this year. I think that they are just out to prove everyone wrong. I think that Adams and Rodgers are really going to have a Brady Moss level season. Like not literally, but I think they're going to do their best to do so. So I think Green Bay is going to show up. I expect the Saints to be playing from behind. Um, it's definitely a tick up for Kamara that Jameis is the quarterback. Um, so all in all, like we said, these three guys, it's really just picking your poison. Uh, I lean CMC and Kamara at this point. Um, but, man, fading Dalvin's not fun. Fading CMC is almost impossible. And fading Kamara is scary. So it really is just pick your poison. Yeah, and there's certain roster constructions where you can fit all three, um, but then you're punting all three wide receiver positions. And I'm not sure that's something I want to do, but it is possible to play all three of these guys. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if you want to move down, um, a guy that I think we both really like is Najee Harris at 6,300. Uh, I think he's probably going to be a pretty popular third running back with one of the top, with two of the top three. So here's the thing about Najee, man, 6,300. I just don't think we're going to see him this cheap ever again this year, possibly ever in his career as long as he's starting running back. Mike Tomlin feeds his bell cow. They drafted him in the first round. Ever since Tomlin has taken over for this team, whether it's been Lev Bell, whether it has been um, James Conner when he's been healthy, it really just doesn't matter. Like, they feed their man. Uh, he's not going to come off the field on third downs. He's a great pass catcher. He was great at that Alabama. Uh, I can easily see somewhere, you know, 15 carries, maybe four to five targets is maybe the floor. Uh, if they get in a good game script, they might, you know, run a little bit. Uh, the, the game script might a bit, be a little run heavier. Um, but for all the talk about the offensive line, we know that volume trumps efficiency at the running back position, DFS. So that's not really a concern. One concern is that the total has been bet down to 48 and a half and opened at 50. Um, and the Steelers are six and a half point dogs, but you know, if they get in the garbage time area, I really think it is, there is potential for Pittsburgh to get blown out. That might just mean dump off for Najee, dump off for Najee, dump off for Najee. But the, the moral of the story here is he's just too cheap. Like he's being priced around like guys like Joe Mixon, which is Joe Mixon is also too cheap. Um, so, but yeah, I don't, I don't see Najee being this cheap again this season. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I am I am 100% in on Najee. Najee is a 98th percentile prospect in my model. He ranks six out of 287 running backs uh, in my model since 2014. So, and he's, you know, 232 pounds, played in SEC at Alabama, was a five-star recruit out of high school, drafted in the first round, and even had a 13.3% reception share. Um, in his final year at Alabama. So this is a guy who's going to be 
you know, playing 90 plus percent of snaps. It wouldn't surprise me if he's literally out there every single snap this game. You know, we love it when running backs are talented and then we love running backs. They get a ton of volume. This is the perfect combination of volume and talent. Um, you know, it's just not the best spot here against the Bills uh, being dogs. You know, we like to have running backs that are at home and favored. Um, but at this discount, 6,300, it's just too cheap. Uh, and then the last guy I want to mention here that is another potential three down back is Joe Mixon. And Joe Mixon has kind of been that that quagmire over the last couple of years where you know, we really want him to be this three down back. And then he doesn't end up getting it because Gio comes in and plays in a two minute offense. And then Mixon goes and gets hurt. Um, but I I personally think Mixon is the guy this year. I, I think you know, Gio is gone. So all they have is Chris Evans um, and Samaje P. Ryan behind him. Uh, you know, Mixon last year before he went down, he was second in the league in touches per game with 23.2. So this guy, we know he can be a bell cow. And Joe Mixon is also an elite prospect. He was 95th percentile on that model as well uh, coming into the NFL. So we know Joe Mixon is good. Uh, really, he just has to stay healthy. And then it comes down to the matchup. You know, he's, um, he's 6,200 and he's taking on Minnesota. Like I mentioned, we like to play Dalvin Cook. Uh, and I think personally, I think you can play Mixon and, and Dalvin in the same lineup. I think that's fine. These are both three down plus goal line backs and a 6,200 Mixon gives you a massive savings, um, on Dalvin. If you think maybe, and I know you don't think, but if you think that Cincinnati can win this game, uh, I think, what are they two and a half point dogs or three right now? Um, it's, I think it's three. Yeah. So if you think that, um, Cincinnati can pull out this game. Uh, it makes mix an even stronger play. So um, I think these are the top five running backs. These are all three down plus goal line backs. Christian McCaffrey at 9,500, Dalvin Cook, 9,100, um, Alvin Kamara, 8,600, Joe Mixon, 6,200, and Najee Harris, 6,300. All of these guys should be in a rotation. And I, I can guarantee that three of these guys are going to be on our teams um, when we do our cash on up review on Monday evening. So moving on to wide receiver, we talked about the value at wide receiver, and it is value galore with these rookies. Um, the first one I just want to dive into is Rondale Moore. Rondale Moore is a, to me, he is a Golden Tate on steroids. He is a yards after the catch machine. That's all he did at Purdue in college. He broke out as an 18-year-old freshman uh, he was an absolute stud. His freshman year was unbelievable. If you want to see his highlight yeah. tapes, go watch the highlight team, highlight tape against uh, Ohio State. He absolutely shredded <laughs> Ohio State. Now, so Rondell Moore is min-price, 3K, in a potential shootout, like we mentioned, with Kyler Murray uh, here against Tennessee. Tennessee's defense is absolutely garbage. And Rondell Moore should be on the field for a decent amount of their, um, their passing plays. They should go four wide a lot. So it should be on the outside. Um, DeAndre Hopkins and AJ Green, the course of AJ Green on the outside. Um, Christian Kirk, I expect to rotate with AJ Green and Rondell Moore should get almost every snap out of the slot. Um, and, you know, his A dot in the preseason was 1.3 yards. I mean, this is like Debo Samuel type shit. This is like he's basically an extension of the running game. And he even got a couple carries in preseason as well. So, I think Rondell Moore, you can pencil him in for five or six targets. They're going to be really short, but that just means that, you know, this is DraftKings full PPR. This is going to be, you know, highly convertible 
targets, and he's such a monster after the catch. He's probably going to get um, you know one or two handoffs as well, kind of jet sweeps. And he's so explosive. He ran four three five uh, at his pro day, which you know is a pro day. So he realistically probably ran four four. But this guy is an absolute freak. I think his freshman year he he squatted like over six hundred pounds, and I think he weighs. Did he weigh in like one? I think he weighed in light. I'll have to remember exactly what he weighed in there. I can check. Um, but, I mean, this guy is just an absolute freak. Yeah, it's just free. It just seems like very, very easy points with him at mid-price. Um, the end rounds, like at mid-price, you get two or three end rounds, a couple looks out of the backfield. It's going to be very, very valuable because it's literally free points. If he gets five or six point, uh, targets at mid-price, and if this, does, this game does shoot out, it's very possible. They seemingly love him. He fits this Cliff Kingsbury. Um, and, man, if he scores, it's just an absolute smash. Like, if he gets, say, four receptions, maybe, like, 12 rushing yards, and he falls in the end zone, oh, my God. Like, you're just completely printing. Yep. So, yeah, I, and it's hard not to be on the Rondale Moore train this week. Uh, I'll go up to the top, uh, and I'll talk about Calvin Ridley here. I mean, what is there to say about Calvin Ridley, man? He's just an alpha. Um, I mean, here, here's a couple of numbers from for last year. He had a .67 whopper, was top five in the league, 41.5% air yard team market share. It's top five in the league, nine and a half targets per game, completely elite, 27.7% red zone share. That's third in the league. Uh, you combine that with Julio Jones walking out the door, heading over the Titans. Uh, Kyle Pitts does come in. Say what you want about Kyle Pitts. He's not Julio Jones, at least not yet. Um, I don't expect them to have an immediate impact like a Julio Jones would have. And I actually saw this stat on Twitter today <clears throat> from Matthew Friedman. Uh, last year in eight games without Julio Jones, uh, really averaged 11.1 targets per game. He never had a game without uh, with fewer than nine and in 17 career games where Calvin Lee has had nine or, or higher or nine or more targets he's averaged 102 yards a game with 0.71 touchdowns like that is just like it, it, that's just ridiculous it really is and I mean they, Atlanta's home uh, against a bad defense in the dome um, I'm going to like him every single week that he has a spot I'm just enamored with Calvin Lee as a talent I'm going to be on him all year. And I don't know how owned he's going to be because a lot of people are going to flock to Adams and rightfully so. I think Hopkins is going to have ownership, rightfully so, in that shootout uh, potential. And I think Stephon Diggs, because he's just simply too cheap for the volume that he commands for the Bills, I think he's going to get ownership in combination with Kyle Pitts probably is going to be the highest, if not the second highest owned player on the slate. Mm -hmm. uh, so that gives you a little bit of added leverage. But all in all, I mean, Ridley just, he has a great matchup. The talent's there. The volume is there. Uh, he's a little pricey, but like we said, with, with the value on the slate this week, you can get there. Um, not sure if I'm going to play him. Probably won't, but it's hard not to just love the spot that he's in. Yeah, if, if you would rather play, you know, just go McCaffrey and then go Mixon and Najee, that gives you the salary to get up to Ridley if you wanted to. 
Um, you could also get up to Adams. I mean, Adams is an absolute stud, but he, <laughs> they, there's like nothing else to even say about Adams. I and mean, we know that there's no one else there to throw the ball to. Uh, if I were to guess, Aaron Jones is probably going to be second on that team in targets. I mean, like Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Robert Tunyon, like these guys can't play. Um, yeah. And, you know, Rogers, this is Rogers and, and Devontae Adams, absolute stud. Um, you know, Marcus Lattimore is over there for the Saints. It, Who cares? It, it doesn't matter. Um, doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't matter. Wide receiver, cornerback matchups, just uh, yeah, miss me with that shit. We don't need that. Yeah, don't don't give me anything about this Darius Slay being on Philly or anything else. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No. All right. So a couple more of these punt guys. So Marquez Callaway and Rondell Moore. I think both these guys are going to be the chalkiest um, punt guys on the slate. And Marquez Callaway. So we know Michael Thomas is out. Um, he's thirty four hundred. Lead wide receiver for the Saints. Um, uh, in the preseason, you know, with Jameis Winston, he was targeted on nine of his 23 pass routes, 39%. He was targeted on 39% of his routes uh, in preseason. So I, I, there's no one – you mentioned when you talked about Kamara, there's no one else there. I mean, Traquan Smith has never proven anything. Um, Jawan Johnson is, you know, a former wide receiver and now is a tight end. I, I don't know what he's going to do. Adam Troutman still nursing an injury. And Ivan Kamara, we know we're going to pencil into him for about eight targets. So. Um, we know that Jameis likes to push it down the field and Marquez Callaway is seemingly the only re- competent receiver on this offense. Um, so at 3,400, that, that is just so hard to pass up. Uh, it, I wish it was in the dome. It's not in the dome because, uh, her King Udden knocked out the Superdome, So they can't, they can't play. Um, they said at least for the first month or so, um, they won't have any home games. So this game's going to be played in Jacksonville, but either way at 3,400 too cheap for a wide receiver one on a team. And I know Jair Alexander is on, you know, is going to be facing him. I, I, again, at 3,400, we don't matter. even know that that to, that to be true. Like, we, we don't know. They could view Trey Smith as a wide receiver. Yeah. It's just a narrative, and it's hard to really know what to make of it. It could, maybe he gets shadowed, maybe he doesn't. But he's right. just simply too cheap to be the, the wide receiver one on a team that's probably going to be playing from behind. Absolutely. And he's going to be the highest owned player on the slate. He's probably going to be 85%. Probably. Like, I think yeah, I think he probably will be. Him and Rondale are going to be extremely, extremely chalky. And rightfully so. They're both great plays. I have one other guy that if you want to punt it off, um, you know, I love this player. Uh, I try to keep it under wraps as best I could from you during the offseason. And I end up drafting him in our league. But Elijah Moore – uh, I, I love everything about this guy. He was a 97th percentile prospect in my model. He was a four-star uh, recruit out of high school. He played in the SEC, went to uh, Ole Miss, absolutely smashed. I mean, he is, in his last year, he had 10.8 receptions per game. I mean, just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and he's drafting the second round by the Jets. Min Price, uh, you know – he kind of prospect, he kind of profiles as a slot receiver, but they have been using him on the outside. And I, I think that he's going to easily beat out Keelan Cole. He hasn't played in a game yet. He hadn't played any preseason game because he had a quad injury, but he's practicing in full. He's ready to go. Uh, I think that this guy could absolutely, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was an absolute stud and it was right there next to Corey Davis, um, you know, in target share on this team. And these guys are just dominating the targets. Now, Jameson Crowder uh, tested positive for COVID. Apparently he is vaccinated, so it's possible he can come back. I think it depends on his symptoms. Uh, if Jameson Crowder is out, 
I think Elijah Moore is an absolute monster play. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad at you if you went Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore, and Callaway and paid up for CMC, Dalvin, and, and Kamara. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate that at all if Jameson Crowder's out. If Jameson Crowder is in, that's going to ding Elijah Moore's target share. He's going to be majority on the outside if that happens. Um, we know that you know in the slot, you're going to get more advantageous looks against sometimes linebackers. Um, so I think if Crowder is out, Elijah Moore is an absolute – it makes him a really strong play. And you really have to consider whether you're going to go punt all three wide receiver spots, if that's the case. Yeah, if Crowder doesn't play, I'm I'm in lockstep with you on Elijah Moore's prospect. I mean, people talk about LSU being wide receiver U, but man, those old Miss boys can play. I mean, they brought out <laughs> Metcalf and AJ Brown, uh, Elijah Moore this year, and I mean, Laquan Treadwell was an NFL bust, but he was first round talent coming out of college. So, yeah. no, Elijah Moore is just a complete beast. I can't wait for them to phase Crowder out of this offense. Uh, I think he's going to be a monster for a long time. And if Crowder's out, it's going to be really hard to fade that. Um, I'm really curious to see where the ownership goes with these min price guys. And I'll talk about another one right now who's way too cheap, and that's Marvin Jones for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So he's 3,600. Like, what are you doing, DraftKings? I, know, I love I strongly Jones. believe <laughs> I strongly believe that Marvin Jones is the wide receiver one on this team. And let's talk about the pricing for a minute. DJ Chark's 5,800. I, I, he's had like six good games in his entire career. Was a total bust last year. Urban Meyer came out in the offseason season and basically said he's too soft. We don't like it. He needs to gain weight. They prioritized bringing in Marvin Jones in the offseason. They gave him a contract. He's the most proven player on this team in, in the wide receiver room. He's perennially underrated. LaVisca's playing in the slot. It's lower value targets when you're talking about getting close to the red zone. Marvin Jones has always been known as a red zone guy. He's been great on the lines for years in that role. And LaVisca's also 5K. Like, why am I getting a $1,400 discount from Visca to Marvin Jones when Marvin Jones just does nothing but produce every year? I just think it's a severe misprice. Last year, the Texans gave up the second most touchdowns to wide receivers, and they just traded their best corner. Bradley Roby's gone. <laughs> they gave up 40.7 points per game to opposing wide receivers last year. And like I said, I think Marvin Jones is the wide receiver one on this team for me. I think he's going to be the most prominent red zone target on this team. They don't have any tight end that's relevant whatsoever. I mean, I think it's a really strong play at 3,600. Um, so it's really, like we said, with the running backs, it's picking your poison between Marv, Marcus Callaway, and the two Moors. And I think Callaway's for sure going to be the most popular but where ownership goes with these other three, especially if Crowder's out, it's going to be really interesting. And it's just, you know, getting the guys right. Right. I could also see Terrace Marshall gaining some steam as well. Um, yeah. Again, at Ben Price, he flashed in the preseason. He was an awesome, awesome prospect as well uh, coming out of LSU. So I, he's, he's in play. I, I think the way I, the way I put him uh, in terms of how, I want them on my team. I Rondell Moore to me is almost a lock. Marcus Callaway, um, and then Marvin Jones. If I'm going to go in that order, and then Elijah Moore. If Crowder's out, Elijah Moore would rank ahead of Marvin Jones for me. Um, I think I, I think I agree with that for the most part. I'm still working through where I'm at with these guys, but I think I lean Callaway and Rondale is my two favorite right now. 
And I'll just throw in one other guy, uh, T. Higgins is 4,700. This is another situation where I think DraftKings just got this pricing wrong. Uh, he's 4,700. Tyler Boyd is sitting at 52 and Chase at 49. I consider Higgins to be the wide receiver one on this team as well. Uh, we already saw he was a great player last year. Um, Chase just struggled all preseason with drops, and he should not look good in general. There was some quote today from Jamar Chase about how the NFL ball is harder to catch because they don't have the white line on it. Like I saw that. Ball. <laughs> I saw that, yeah. Like, what you... the heck? Um, yeah. <laughs> well, like I said, I think that the Vikings are going to rip the Bengals apart, so I think that's going to lead to the same thing we saw last year from the Bengals, throwing more than any other team in the league. I think T. Higgins is the best red zone option on this team. I expect Higgins to be the wide receiver one on this team from a target perspective, at least for the first half, depending on how quickly Chase develops. But certainly in this spot, I think it's great. They brought in Patrick Peterson, Minnesota, that is. I mean, he was PFF's 83rd ranked corner last year. He's not the Pat Pete of 2014. Um, so uh, this Vikings secondary is not anything to be worried about. They gave up the third most tight uh, touchdowns to opposing receivers last year, but it was only on 159 total receptions. The teams in front of them on that list gave up 203, 220, and 245 receptions respectively. Now you could say that, okay, that screams regression, but it could just scream to how real porous that defense is. So I think Higgins is just mispriced this week. I expect him to get a little bit of ownership as well. Uh, so I like him a good bit. Yeah, I'm on T. Higgins as well. I think he's the best receiver on that offense. Tyler Boyd's a nice uh, slot receiver. Um, but T. Higgins is – he's kind of an alpha. And, you know, Jamar Chase is as well. But, you know, he's a rookie and he's still kind of going through some growing pains. I'm sure Jamar Chase is going to turn it around. He's a stud. Um, for sure. But, but for now, T. Higgins is their best receiver. And, you know, they're going to be slinging. So, yeah, I'm definitely on T. Higgins at the price – discount he's at so if you're kind of in the mid-range um yeah higgins definitely solid there so moving over to tight end we got to touch on kyle pitts he's going to be the uber chalk he's 4400 uh in the dome against the eagles the eagles can't cover tight ends at all their linebackers just can't play uh kyle pitts you know as far as his prospect profile it is perfect uh he played in sec of florida he came out as a junior uh, he had a 32% college dominator rating, which is a combination of their um, their reception share and touchdown share. That's really an elite number for tight ends. Uh, he had 5.4 receptions per game in his last season. He ran 4.49 at the pro day. So he's absolutely an elite athlete at 246 pounds. He's got a massive wingspan. Uh, and he was drafted fourth overall uh, in the NFL draft. I mean, the last guy to be drafted in the top five was like Mike Ditka. Uh, so, I mean, this guy, as a prospect, he's totally flawless. And now he walks right into a place with Atlanta that has a new head coach and Arthur Smith, who, you know, in his last job with Tennessee, they use play action 48% of the time. That's a league high rate. And we know quarterbacks, when they use play action, they're going to be more efficient um, just based on league averages. And so Kyle Pitts in this offense, I think he is instantly their best threat in the red zone. Um, and taking on this Eagles defense, which, uh, you know, historically has struggled to take on tight ends. I think Kyle Pitts, 4,400, uh, is really, really hard to get away from. Yeah, I mean, there's another guy like Nashi, we were saying, this is probably the cheapest he's going to be all year. He's just 
probably a top five, top six NFL tight end from day one. Like you said, I don't have to add anything about his prospect profile. I mean, he's just the elite of the elite. He's a 99.9th percentile prospect in whatever model you want to give. Um, so, yeah, we were talking earlier. You said you don't know if you have the stones to fade him. I might solely because he's a tight end and it's his first ever game. And we know it's hard. It takes a little bit for them to acclimate, but this is a different breed of, an, of a guy. So he's for sure in a great spot. And I feel like we've been talking for years about how bad Philly's linebacking room is. I mean, goodness, can you please draft somebody? I mean, <laughs> actually, did they draft a linebacker this year? They might have. I can't remember. But, uh, yeah, I have. Uh, that is just going to be a sneaky shootout spot. It gives you correlation with Jalen Hurts if you want to go that route as well. Um, and he's just going to be probably – 75% owned, something like that. Like It's hard to fault anyone for playing him. My only hesitation is because I, I mean, <laughs> this is probably where I give my spiel about how I like to fade tight ends just because of the opportunity cost. But in a week where the wide receiver value is just so, so, so great, it's hard not to want to slot pits in. And I still haven't worked through my own head about if I'm going to land on him or not right now. I think I'm still 50-50. I'll probably end up playing him. I don't know if I truly have the stones to do it either, but uh, yeah, it's a great spot for him. And here's my punt tight end of the week. We'll probably get one of these every week. It's Tyler Conklin, 2,900 against Cincinnati. Um, yeah, so Tyler Conklin, he's 2,900 to true punt. Uh, and we know Eric Smith's gone for the season, so he's by default starter now. Kyle Rudolph signed with the Giants in the offseason. They did just trade for Chris Herndon, but I do not expect that he will be acclimated into this offense just yet. Um, so I really think Conklin suits up well here. Um, last year, Kyle Rudolph missed weeks 14 through 17 with an injury. And in those games, Conklin stepped in as the de facto tight end 1B or tight end 2, however you want to view it. And in those games, he saw a solid target share, 5, 4, 6, and 6 targets as the T2. Uh, in those games, he went five for 40, three for 57, four for 31, and three for 40. Now he seemingly steps into a, an expanded role in that offense where there's they're really devoid of targets outside of Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Um, so and, and in combination with that, Cincinnati was the fourth worst defense against tight ends last year. So I think he's a really, really good fade, a uh, good pivot off of Kyle Pitts in the chalk if you want to you know, get up to one of those higher price wide receivers off the low price chalk. I think he's a perfectly fine play. If he goes three for 27, he hits value at that two nine price tag. If he goes three for 27 and one, that's complete pants off. You're printing like that is just such a smash at that price. So um, by all, by no means am I saying he's as good of a play as a guy like Kyle Pitts or TJ Hawkinson or George Kittle, who are all great in great spots, but if you want to punt the position, I don't think you can really do better than Conklin this week. Yeah, I think Anthony Ferkser might be another guy there, too. At 3,200, uh, you know, Ferg Daddy, he's he's done it in the past. Uh, there was a game there where uh, Johnny Smith got hurt mid-game, and and Ferg Daddy came in and had a couple of tutties. And, uh, you know, 3,200 in a, an absolute shootout. We know this game is going to – we expect it to go back and forth, um, you know, 52, uh, 52 over under. Uh, I, I think that 
you know, Ferks are, we look for tight ends. They're going to be in high scoring games because really at the end of the day, it's all about touchdowns with your tight end. If he scores a touchdown and he's been priced, boom. I mean, he's, he's hit value. He can literally catch one ball for a touchdown and, and hit value. So um, I, I personally in roster instruction, I don't think we need to punt it off. Just how I mentioned that quarterback, where we don't need to punt quarterback. That's kind of, you know, break glass in case of emergency with these punt quarterbacks. I don't think we need to do that. And also a tight end, I think Pitts is cheap enough where, um, you know, if, if Pitts was 5,500, it's a conversation. At 44, uh, I, I think that he's cheap enough that we don't need to completely punt. I think that with Pitts only being, you know, 1,500 more than Conklin, I, I think that is probably cheap enough to not have to punt it off. Yeah, we're not going to get Pitts this cheap ever again. Like next week, I think we're going, even if Pitts has a mediocre game this week, he's probably going to be 5K at least next week just because of hype. If he doesn't, if he shows anything this week, he's going to be at least 5K, I think. So, yeah, and if there's a week to, to not punt tight in, it's for sure this one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's just too much value at, at cheap wide receiver. I've never seen this kind of value before at, at wide receiver. I, I don't think I've ever, and we've been playing DFS for five years now. I don't think I've ever seen a slate um, where I'm actually considering playing three wide receivers under 4K. Um, it's unprecedented. It really is. But but that's the kind of slate we're in. And so that's kind of the, the decisions this week are – going to be as such it's going to be do you want to play all three of cmc dalvin and mccaffrey do you want to play two of them or do you want to play only play one and pay up at one of your wide receiver positions um that's basically the decision and i see nothing wrong with any of them i see nothing wrong with playing Mixon, naji and cmc I, I see nothing wrong with that at all um it allows you to get up to adams or ridley and not have to punt all three um, you know, wide receiver spots, but, you know, I, I think that the optimal lineups, I think projections are going to spit out playing all three of the top running backs and then punting at wide receiver. I'm not sure where I'm going to land just yet. Um, we are recording this on Thursday night, so we have three days to decide and, um, see what we do, but I think that this was a pretty solid rundown of, of where our thoughts are at here heading into Thursday night football. You got a windmill for this week? Oh, windmill. Sheesh. Uh, all right. Well, if if Elijah, or if Crowder is out, Elijah Moore is the windmill. I'll call it. Elijah right, Moore is my windmill. windmill. Calling it. Put my money where my mouth is. Marvin Jones, two touchdowns. <laughs> I can two see buddies, it. <laughs> absolute windmill. The Texans are tanking, man. They, they, they want to lose. They absolutely want to lose. So I, if I had to pick a high-priced guy, I do think it's going to be one of Diggs, Hopkins, or Ridley. But that's too easy. So I'll go with uh, – we'll go with Scary Terry. Let's go with Terry McCoy. I think he could win that. Right. I think he could win somebody a GPP this week. He's Especially if Curry Sam sits. I think that McLaurin should probably more so be in the 7Ks. Um, anytime that McLaurin is in the 6Ks or, or under that, I, I think he's definitely in play. All right, well, that's going to do it for episode 25 of the PrintFest DFS podcast. And good luck out there. I'd love to have DFS back. I'm just so excited for it to be back. And, and I, you know, Sundays is going to be a tilting, tilting day, as it always is. And 
We'll be back. We on... embrace the tilt. Embrace oh, the I tilt. I know. We'll be back on Monday night to recap our cash lineups and and go over what we got right, what we got wrong, and uh, hopefully we got more right than wrong and we didn't get our teeth kicked in. But either way, we're going to review our decisions on Monday, and we'll be back then. Until then, good luck, everybody.